I'm going to speak um, on the subject, a new commandment, a new commandment. Everybody say that with me, a new commandment. So I'm asking you for a few moments to open your heart, open your ears, and listen to what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you and what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to me this morning. I'm a firm believer that the Holy Spirit is active and the Holy Spirit is always moving and the Holy Spirit is always doing something. And I believe the Holy Spirit is working this morning. It's important that as we open our ears and our hearts that we don't let the phone be a distraction this morning. If you're not taking notes, you don't need to be looking at your phone. Amen? Can I hear an amen? And I want you to open your heart up Open your spirit up and listen, because whatever you put in is what you'll get out. And so I'm asking you to open your spirit as we hear what the spirit of the Lord wants to say to you and what the spirit of the Lord wants to say to me this morning. Amen. A new commandment. You know, we live in a day and age where people love a lot of things, don't they? I've heard people say, I love pizza. I've heard people say, I love ice cream. (laughs) I've heard people say, I love my new shoes. I've heard people say, I just love my new outfit. I've heard people say, boy, I just love to go hiking and camping. I've heard people say all kinds of things. I've heard people say, I love my kids. I've heard people say, I love my spouse. I've even heard people say, I love my little dog, Fufu. I mean, we live in a culture where everybody loves something, don't they? And I I think I'm convinced that we have thrown around the word love so much that I'm not sure if we really know what love is. I, I think that sometimes... We're just probably a little confused about what love is. I mean, if you look at the world, the world has a whole different definition of what love is, especially in relationships. If you love me, then you'll serve me. You'll do this. Well, you know, if you love me, then it's kind of like Delilah. You'll open up your heart and you'll tell me, you know, tell me the secret of your power. You know, everybody has a different definition of love. And everybody's throwing words around. I love this. I love that. I love this. And, you know, I get it. I get it. I'm not saying that's wrong because I love a lot of things too. But I love things at different levels. I I love ice cream, folks. Let me tell you, I love ice cream. I really love cookies and cream ice cream. Can I hear an amen? And I really love fried chicken and hot rolls and mashed potatoes and green beans. Not green beans that you just put on the stove, but green beans you put lard in and butter and garlic. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And bacon. You don't know how to cook if you don't put bacon in your green beans. Okay, can I hear an amen? You just don't know how to cook. I'm from, you know, I'm from West Virginia. You know, when I grew up, nobody talked about losing weight. Nobody. Nobody was joining Weight Watchers. Nobody was wa- I mean, they, they, they fried the chicken in oil and butter and garlic, and you smelt like fried chicken and perfume when you went to church Sunday night. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, I, that's the culture I grew up in. We didn't talk about that stuff. You just lived your life, and you was happy, you know? Now, how did I get on that? But you know what I'm saying. We love a lot of things. But I'm convinced that I think sometimes we become confused about what love truly is. What the meaning of love is. And sometimes love takes on different forms. Sometimes love looks different. And sometimes what is love, sometimes we reject it. Because it's not that feeling that oozy, fuzzy feeling, and we reject it if it's not the fuzzy, ooey 
you know, love can hurt. Love can come in the form of discipline. Love can come in the form of an honest conversation. Somebody said to Mother Teresa before she died, they said, Mother, what is love? You know, Mother Teresa, before she died, was a great saint. Gave her life to the orphans in India. She said something that I never forgot. And I know I've told you before, but it still rings in my heart. She said, love is to listen. I thought about that. Love is to listen. I think that maybe could be a definition of love. Because when you open yourself up to someone, what you are saying is, you are important of me. You're, you're important to me. I lay aside my agenda. I lay aside what's on my mind and what's on my heart. I lay aside what's in my busy schedule, and I open my heart to listen to you. See, maybe that's a form of love. Maybe that's a form. And if you look at Scripture over and over and over, you find this word, love, 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 love. I mean, you can't read the New Testament without seeing that word love all the time. Now, let me just remind you, if you are a serious student of the Word of God, you will quickly discover that there are many different definitions of love and different types of love. For instance, for the sake of time, I don't have the time to explain all of them, but let me give you an example. One of the love that's found in the Bible, one type of love, is called friendship love. Another love is called an erotic love, a sexual love between one man and one woman. Uh, well, there's another type of love called familiar love. It's kind of like just a, an acquaintance love. Not a deep love. I love you. You're my bro. You're my sis in the Lord. I see you once a week. I don't hate you. It's that type of love. You know what I'm saying? It's, there's another type of love in Scripture called self-love. Because you can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. You see, so there's all types of forms of love in Scripture. And one of the greatest definitions of love is called agape love, which is a selfless love. I like to say it like this. Love is to benefit others at the expense of yourself, while lust is to benefit yourself at the expense of others. Can I hear an amen? Can I say that again? Love is to benefit others at the expense of yourself, while lust is to benefit yourself at the expense of others. That's probably uh, just a, a, a simple definition of what I believe the Scripture teaches love is. Love is to benefit others at the expense of yourself, while lust is to benefit yourself at the expense of others. And isn't that what Jesus did, church? He benefited the world by the expense of himself. He gave himself to the world to benefit you at the expense of himself. Like I said a few moments ago, over and over in the Scriptures, it tells us to love one another. In fact, in the book of John said that the distinguishing mark that will be upon a believer is their love for one another. In other words, when the world looks at this community, when the world looks at this community, we should be different from the world. There should be a distinguishing mark that's different about us than the world. You see, you know how the world loves? The world loves like this. I love you if you love me. I'll do this good deed for you if you will tell me thank you. I'll scratch at your back if you scratch my back. Have you ever heard somebody say this? I've been good to him. I've sacrificed for him. I went the extra mile. I'll never do it again. Because they didn't even say thank. They didn't even acknowledge how hard I worked for him. You see, you 
have already been indoctrinated by the definition of the world's type of love. You don't have Christ's love. Jesus said, if you love them who love you, or if you love people who can pay it back to you, you are no more than the pagans because that's how they love. Oh, I hear it all the time in the church. I can't believe they've treated me this way. I can't believe after everything I've done, they couldn't at least say thank you. You see, we work in the world six days a week, and all of us get just conditioned to think that way. We, we are so conditioned to think that way because that's how the world thinks. So to actually see somebody go out of their way, even when they're hurting, is almost the exception nowadays. It's kind of like Jesus dying on the cross. And what does he do in his own pain and misery? He opens heaven up for a dying thief. He benefited that thief at the expense of himself. He learned how to do ministry when he was miserable. And that's the essence of Christianity. Can you do ministry when you are miserable? That's love. Can you minister to people when you yourself is hurting? I've heard another thing in the church. I've pastored for 20 years. People say, I, I, just, I just can't do it because I'm going through a hard time. I'm struggling myself. You see how easy we've been indoctrinated by the world? Because real love states this. I'll reach out to you even though I need somebody to reach out to me. Have you ever felt that way before? Have you ever longed for somebody to put their arm around you? Have you ever longed for someone to come to you and say, I appreciate you? Listen, folks, there is nothing wrong with that. We're human. There is an emotional side to us that we crave that, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I do know that if you're going to serve Jesus, that's not going to happen all the time. People are not going to give you what you desire. Let me say this, and let me say it loud and clear. You cannot expect 10 gallons from a one-pint person. Somebody better help me preach. You cannot expect 10 gallons from a one-pint person. There are some people in your life that's a one-pint person, and you are expecting them to give you 10 gallons of affirmation. They will never do it because they don't have the capacity to do it. Can somebody say amen? So you have to learn in your journey as a Christian that you cannot expect 10 gallons from a one-pint person. You have to understand that love is to benefit others even when you desire to be benefited. Even when you desire somebody to reach out to you. Jesus said that if you love that way, then you're no more than the pagans because that's how they love. What would happen, my friends, if we start loving that way? What would happen to the church if we start loving that way? I think sometimes we don't know what love is. You know why? Because some of us has been divorced. Some of us have, some of us had bad relationships. Some of you have had bad church experiences. You, you, our, our view of love has been twisted. You've had people come into your life and say, they love you, they'll never leave you. They're with you to the end. And then they leave you. And your heart is broken in a million pieces, and you're confused about what love truly is. And that is why, my friends, when you hear sermons 
that Jesus loves you to the end. It's hard for you to comprehend that because your perception of love is based upon what you see around you. Your father didn't love you. Your mother didn't love you. People did things to you. Maybe you were molested as a child. You've had sexual trauma in your life. You've had bad church experiences. You've had church leaders who has manipulated you and manipulated the system, and you are hurt to the core so you don't know what love is. And when somebody comes to your aid and somebody's trying to help you, sometimes we reject that love because it doesn't give us the warm feeling. But sometimes love is honesty. Sometimes love is discipline. Sometimes love is communication. Sometimes love is honesty. Sometimes love is sitting at the table and let's talk it out. Can somebody help me out this morning? And so sometimes we don't know what love is. Some of you, it's hard for you to serve in the church. I get, we get up here and ask. It's hard. You know why? Because you don't love yourself. Some of us has never asked anybody to church or led anybody to the Lord. You know why? It's not because you're not a good person. You just don't love yourself. It's hard to love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. It's hard to give something out when you don't feel like you have. The reason that I can love myself and love my neighbor is because I genuinely feel loved by Jesus. Genuinely feel loved by him over and over. The scripture tells us to love one another. Galatians 5 and 14 tells us to love. The law is fulfilled even in this, that you should love your neighbor as yourself. Hebrews 13, verse 1 and 2. The writer of Hebrews tells us, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so you will entertain angels. You see, Love one another. What about Philippians chapter 2, verse number 3? It tells us this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let us esteem one another better than ourselves. That's probably a good definition of love. Benefiting others at the expense of myself. Romans chapter 13, verse number 9. The author of Romans tells us this. For the commandment, ye shall not commit adultery. Ye shall not murder. Ye shall not steal. Ye shall not bear false witness. What does the last part of it say? But ye shall love your neighbor as yourself. Over and over, it tells us that we should love one another. You know that phrase in the New Testament, love your neighbor as yourself? That's really found in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. It, it really is an old commandment. The Lord revealed it to Moses. It's an old commandment. Leviticus 19 and verse 18 says, Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the commandment is given to us that if we are going to love our neighbor, it has to start with loving ourselves appropriately. And rightly. In other words, you got to view yourself in the image of God. Every person in this room is made in the image of God. I love myself not because of all my faults and failures, because I know in myself I'm undone and broken and insecure, but I love myself because I am created in the image of God. And you're created in the image of God. That's why life is important. That's why we're pro-life. We protect life at the very moment of conception because we're born in the image and molded and made in the image of God. Every one of us. Life is precious. That's the foundation. The foundation is to have a proper view of yourself. Not to think of yourself more highly than you ought but to have a proper view. 
I am broken. I am insecure. I am nothing without Christ. I love myself because I'm made in the image of God and my faults and my failures do not define me. But it's by His grace that I am who I am. Now, it's interesting to me, you know, this new commandment, now don't lose me because I want to bring home a point. The new the commandment that Jesus said, ye shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's found in Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says like this. Matthew 22 and verse number 37 or 36. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says this. Ye shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. For this is the first and great commandment, and the second one is like it. Ye shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus said if you love God and love others, you won't have a problem fulfilling the law. In other words, the cross is vertical and horizontal. When I love God... I automatically want to love people. Now, this is the commandment that's found in the book of Leviticus chapter 19. Jesus is quoting the law. Jesus is quoting the book of Deuteronomy. He's telling this rich young ruler that you should love the Lord your God with everything you have and make sure you love your neighbor as yourself because everything hangs upon this. Now, it's interesting to me that from that very moment, Jesus, of course, had 12 disciples, and he spent almost every day with them. Three and a half years, Jesus spent time with his disciples, teaching them and mentoring them and pouring himself into these people. And Jesus, right before he dies, and this is what I want you to see, right before Jesus dies, Jesus made a profound statement. In John chapter 13, and verse number 34, right before he dies, Jesus makes this statement. John chapter number uh, 13, and I want you to see this very briefly this morning. John 13 and verse number 34. Matter of fact, go up to verse 33 and look what Jesus is saying. Uh, Jesus said, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer and you shall seek me. And as I have said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, look at verse 34, a new commandment. Everybody shout, a new commandment. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this will you know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now hold on here, folks. In the book of Matthew Jesus quoted the law, and Jesus said from the book of Deuteronomy, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But right before Jesus goes to heaven, right before he is taken away by the Holy Spirit, right before he is taken away, right before he dies and is taken away back to heaven, Jesus tells his disciples, he calls them little children. And that phrase only occurs a few times in Jesus' vocabulary. He usually calls them, he usually calls them uh, sons or he, he calls them uh, some other name besides children. He, he, he says to them, he, he's being intimate with them at the table. He says, little children, I want to say something to you. I am getting ready to leave. And where I'm going, you can't come yet. But I'm getting ready to give you something new. This is the new commandment, that you shall love, look at it, that you shall love one another as I have loved you. Now hold on. Jesus, I thought you said in the book of Matthew that I should love my neighbor as myself. But now Jesus says, before he, di before he dies, hold on, lean He's at the table. He says, lean in here. My little children, I want to tell you a new commandment. The disciples are shaking their head. What are you going to tell us, Lord? I'm telling you something new now. 
I want you to start loving people as I have loved you. Whoa. But Lord, I thought the law said to love one another as we love ourselves. The Lord says, I'm not doing away with the law. I'm building upon it. I'm taking it to a new level. I'm bringing new perception to it. I'm shedding new light upon it. Jesus is saying, you have been with me for three and a half years, and you have seen my life. You have seen how I have washed your feet. You have seen how I have served you and how I have loved you to the very end. Peter, you're a cussing fisherman, and I still believed in you. You know I love you. You know my love is sacrificial. Jesus is saying, I'm getting ready to leave, and I'm leaving you a new commandment. And this commandment is, take it up a notch. Some of you don't even love yourself. But if you will start loving people the same way that I love you, you will have no problem loving yourself. What did Jesus do? Jesus brought it up a notch. And that's what Jesus does in the Gospels. For you have heard that it was said. But I say unto you, do this. You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, what does Jesus do? Jesus said, you've heard what the law said, but I am elevating it to a new level. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. What is the new commandment? Jesus is simply saying this. The Greek verb tense is this. I'm giving you a new commandment. I am giving, I want you to do the same thing I did to you, the same manner, the same quality, and the same intensity that I did it to you, I want you to do it to others. You've heard that you should love your neighbor as yourself, but I am telling you something. It's not necessarily new. It's a new model of living. It's a new way of thinking that you are to love others the same way I've loved you, the same manner, the same quality, the same intensity, in the same way you love them as I have loved you. And if that's true, my friends, then some of our definition of love is not scriptural. Because your love has boundaries, don't it? Your love has walls. The first time Peter would cuss you out and deny you, you would put a check mark over his life and you would excommunicate him from your life because he betrayed you. But Jesus' love is saying, listen, I still love you to the end. First, first time somebody talks about us, we write them off. We have been indoctrinated by the definition of the world's standard of love. Even in our churches, we still have cliques. Even in our churches, we still have walls. Even in our churches, we call them boundaries, but they're not boundaries, they're walls. Because we're afraid to love because we haven't been loved ourselves. It's amazing to me that you have the potential to bring joy and love into somebody's life only if you would just open your mouth and tell somebody. Why do we have to be so selfish? He's given you a mouth to say something. Some of you got a few extra dollars. You could do something nice for someone. You have the potential to change somebody's life, but if you're waiting for somebody to do it to you so you feel loved, so you can do it, don't expect 10 gallons from a one-pint person. You can get a thank you card. You can take somebody out to eat. You can take your hand 
and rested on someone's shoulder and say, I'm praying for you. The reason that that don't happen is because we're always waiting for somebody to do it to us. I'm hurting. I'm miserable. I want somebody to tell me they love me. And yet, you have been indoctrinated by the system of the world. Jesus is saying, now it's time to elevate it. Come up another notch. Love them like I've loved you. And my love is I love you with fierceness. I love with passion. I never give up. What would happen if we just don't give up on people? Some of you, the Spirit is saying today, throw your book away. You have a list of people with black marks because they've offended you for years. Throw it away. Love doesn't keep record of wrong done to it. Some of you have pleaded with God, God, why don't, maybe God is saying there's unforgiveness. You haven't released it. You don't know my type of love. This is a new commandment I give to you. You should love them as I love you. Jesus say, now the standard of love is this. It's not loving yourself first. The standard, the new standard of love, I just elevated it. I've built upon it. The new standard of love is you love them the same way I loved you. Why do we give up on people so easily? God never gave up on you. Why do we look down on people's sins? If people knew what you truly did, they'd probably move down a few seats. We never share our true testimony in church. We never share what God really did. Because if we really shared what God really did, some people would change how they think about you. So we should never think that we're in a place we're superior. We're all broken. We all need grace. And if we're all broken and we all need grace, then my friends, let's be a 10-pound gallon of love to the world. Listen, I have, five, I have four minutes and 54 seconds left to do my 35-minute sermon. So will you listen to me? Look at Pastor. This is what I want you to forget. You love people until they ask you why. And if you haven't loved people hard enough until they ask you why, then you haven't loved hard enough. Now, my last four minutes, I want to share something with you. As your pastor... At the beginning of the year, I, I talked about my vision. And I didn't just get up and just talk about it just to fill the air. When I got up in February, I was serious. I'm giving it my all. And so for the remainder of the year, I want to present a challenge to this church. And you will hear it every week. For 2021, without a strategy, we will fail. I can get up and talk about everything, but we got to have a plan and a strategy. The reason I've waited till now is because we got our systems in place. Not perfect, but they are systems in place. And so this is what I want us to do. There are four things I want you to remember this year. I want you to write them down. I want you to think about them because you're going to hear them often. This is my challenge to you as your pastor. And I want you to listen to me. This is not the time to cut me off. I'm asking you to be respectful to what I feel like we need to do. Number one, I'm asking you from now to the end of the year that each person will reach one person. Each one reach one. Say that with me. Each one. I want you to scream it on the count of three. One, two, three. Say it again. 
Everybody say it. Everybody say it. Each one, reach one. All I'm asking you to do is to find one person who is unchurched, is not a believer, or they've walked away from the church. And I just want you to pick one person for the whole year. And your goal is, is to invest into that person, take them to eat, develop a relationship with them, get their phone number. Now, I would prefer that men, you find another man to befriend, and a woman, you find a, a woman to befriend, because the world is crazy. And I'm asking you to find somebody, or if there's a couple, if you want to do it together, you find another couple. And I want you to reach one person this year. Now, if you're married, that means there's two. Everyone reach one. But you have to be serious about this. I'm asking you to take them to eat, if that's possible. I'm asking you to send a note to them, keep in touch with them. Now, this is the thing. If they reject you, that's fine. Go find another person. If they don't, that's fine. Just fine. But don't give up so easily. You may have to keep trying. But there is a plethora of people in Cherokee County and in Joplin and the surrounding regions that would come to this church if we would just show the love of Jesus like Jesus showed us. Come on, somebody. I said, come on, somebody. Each one reach one. This is pleasing to God for us to be a soul winner. Now, the very first thing that you could do is this Saturday at 6 o'clock here at the church in the foyer, we are having the table. The table is a free dinner, and we have free supplies that we give out to families. This is an opportunity for you to bring somebody to the table. And what is this? This is hospitality. Hospitality don't change people. It creates a space for people to be changed. Jesus ate with people all throughout the Gospels. I'm asking you to find somebody. Invite somebody this weekend, this Saturday at 6 o'clock. I'm asking you to take the initiative. Invite a coworker. Invite the banker. Invite somebody you go to school with, somebody, and bring them to this church on Saturday at 6 o'clock. Now, if that don't work, there's other opportunities for you to bring people. On June the 27th, we're going to have Friends and Family Day. Friends and Family Day. This is June the 27th. I want to pack the church out, but I need your help. I need you to bring somebody. I need you to invest into somebody. That day, we're going to have food trucks out in the parking lot. They can eat at the church. We're going to have bounce houses and stuff for the kids. They can have whatever. We're going to have a bunch of stuff for the kids. There's going to be food trucks. There's going to be a, a, a general sermon of salvation. And I want you to bring somebody on June the 27th at Friends and Family Day. Mark it in your calendar and make sure you're here. If they don't come to church after you invited them, don't give up so easily. The challenge is, is by the end of the year, every one of us has brought somebody to the Lord. But you can't give up so easily. We've got to elevate our love level. Those are two opportunities. There's other opportunities throughout the year that you can bring people. But those are two. This Saturday at 6 o'clock, June the 27th, Friend and Family Day. You have something on your seat this morning when you come to church to promote these events. You invite somebody. That's the number one thing. That's the number one challenge this year. Each one, reach one. Everybody say that with me. Each one, reach one. Number two, my second challenge is this. We have to develop a culture that says, follow me. You see, I am asking you to help me out. Pastor Josh cannot take the responsibility to know all things and do all things. When there's somebody new to this church, I'm asking you to take the initiative. That means... On the first Sunday of every month, we have Discover Christ Point. If you see somebody new to this church, you ask them, can I take you to Discover Christ Point? What is Discover Christ Point? You discover Christ Point. You get to ask questions. Is this the place I want to be? I'm going to discover this place. Connect to Christ Point is on the third Sunday of every month. It's today. If you see somebody that wants to be connected, you take them by the hand and you say, follow me. 
If you see somebody in the foyer that, that's lost and don't know where to take their kids, you say, follow me, I'll take you to the kids' station. If somebody don't know the Lord, you ask them, can I walk down to the front with you? I'm asking you to take the initiative. I'm asking you to be a part of the mission. That here at Christ Point, we are developing disciples who love God with head, heart, hands, and feet. It's not about preferences anymore. It's about being missional. And growth point. What is growth point? Growth point is head, heart, hands, and feet. Head is classes. Heart is small groups. Hands you serve in the church. And feet is what we're going to do Saturday. And there's opportunities in each of those things. And there's a growth point packet in the foyer at the next step table. That's an avenue to grow. And you have to know this because when people start to come, you cannot say, uh, I think I'll go get Pastor Josh and he can tell you what to do. Right there is the sign of failure. You have to be on board with me. What did Jesus say to Peter? Follow me, Peter. I'll make you fishers of men. I'm asking this church to follow me. I'm asking you to be the initiative and know the mission of this church and know the process. Know what growth point is. Head, heart, hands, and feet. There's things in four of those areas that people can grow in. That there's a place for people to get connected. But you might have to say, follow me. I'll go with you. I'll walk with you on this journey. Number three, I want you to be intentional about giving. Number three, I want you to be intentional about your tithe and your offering. I'm asking you to raise it up. If you're not tithing, I'm asking you to, why, why are you not tithing? What's the legitimate reason that you're not giving? If you believe in this church and you come to this church on a regular basis, then, you, then I'm asking you that, to give. Not out of manipulation. Not because somehow the church just needs it. No, I'm just asking because it's your responsibility as a believer. Let's give. You say, well, pastor, I can't start with 10%. Have you ever, started, have you ever thought about just starting? You're not blessed because you just give the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. You're blessed when you give above it. I'm asking you to be intentional about your giving this year. I'm asking you, let's not wait when you get to the church. Let's, let, let's make the check out on Saturday night. Be intentional about your giving. I'm asking you to pray this week about what to give. I'm asking you to make it a part of your worship, that we just don't throw it in the bucket, but that this is who I am. My giving is a part of worship, that God deserves the very best. I come to church on the first day of the week because that's the first thing I need to do, and God deserves the best, and it's Sunday, and it's the first day, and I'm going to give the first of my income to the Lord as well. You say, well, pastor, I don't have it. But that's the point of tithing. You tithe to prove that money is not your master, that money is not your master, that your job is not your provider, that God is your sustainer, and that God is your provider. That's why we do it. If you go work out at the gym, they charge you to work out physically. The church doesn't charge anybody, but I'm asking you, come with me and let your heart be here. If your heart's not here, your feet will leave. Either we're on the mission or we're not on the mission, but we got, we got to get the heart in the place. Can churches do it better than we can? Yes. But God did not call me to compare my church with somebody else. God said, Josh Pennington, you are here. You have a mission. You have a voice. You have a people. You have a calling. And you do what I told you to do. So I'm asking you, we're not in this thing comparing. We're in this thing about the mission. And that's head, heart, hands, and feet. I'm asking you to come on Wednesday nights. There's no reason why some of you can't come. I see you on Facebook posting stuff. You can come to church. Let's be a part of the mission. If you're working, if you're sick, I understand that. Some of you live far away. I do understand that. God bless you when you do come. We have people that live an hour away. I'm not asking you to come on Wednesday nights. But people who live across town, you can come. You can come. You can come. So let's be intentional about our giving. 
And number four, I'm asking you to be intentional about the Bible reading plan. I've asked you, let's read through the book of the New, let's read through the New Testament. Five chapters a week. Let's be intentional about reading the Bible, getting the word inside of you. Five chapters a week in the New Testament. If you do that every week, by the end of the year, you would have read the New Testament. Let's be students of the word. Let's get the word in us. Let it be your food. So what is my challenge this week? Listen, I'm not pinpointing anyone. I don't look at the tithing record. So if you get offended, I, I don't know. I'm just telling you, I need you on board. Number one, number one, each one reach one. Let's bring somebody. Make it a goal. I'm going to get somebody. I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to be Jesus to them. Number two, I'm asking you to know the mission of this church and the process, and let's help me. Let's bring people aboard, and let's not wait for somebody else to do it. If somebody needs prayer, you pray for them. If somebody don't know where to go in the kids' ministry, you show them. Number three, be intentional about your giving. Number four, be intentional about your Bible reading. I'm asking this church to come up a level. Pastor Josh is not called to do it all. I'm asking you, come with me on this journey, and let's build a church for the kingdom of God. I said, can I hear an amen? Let's build a church for the kingdom of God. I said, let's build a church for the kingdom of God. I said, let's build a church for the kingdom of God. I said, let's build a church for the kingdom of God. I thought maybe somebody would just stand up and say, Pastor, I believe you. Let's build a church for the kingdom of God. Let, 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 let's put a heart into it. Let's put a pocketbook into it. Let's say I'm going to do it. This is just, this is just a small strategy. We're providing opportunity. Bring somebody to dinner Friday night that doesn't, that's unchurched, that don't like the church. I was at, I was at the hospital the other day, pray, yesterday. Met somebody at the nurse's station. And instantly he said, are you so-and-so? Are you the pastor? And then we started talking about church, how he hasn't been to church. People are looking for someone. I'm asking you. This is the fourfold challenge this year. Number one, each one reach one. Number two, let's do a follow me culture. Number three, let's be intentional about our giving. And number four, let's be intentional about reading the Bible this year. If you don't want to read it, listen to it on your phone. But let's get the word of God inside of us. Can I hear an amen? Did you enjoy the word today? Amen. I said, did you enjoy the word today? Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, church, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now listen, as we stand across the building, I said everything today in the spirit of love. And I say it as a spiritual father. I say it because I know we can do it. Anything I said today was not directed to anyone in particular. I said it because this is the mission and the vision, and I want you to come on board with me. I'm asking you to come on board. I say it because I love you, and I believe in this church. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, this is what I'm going to do. We have 30 minutes. I mean, we have plenty of time. You see, and, and some of you are not physically able, and I understand. So don't, don't worry about it if you're not physically able. I just want a commitment this morning to say, Pastor, the fourfold challenge this morning that you ended your sermon with, I want to be a part of, and I'm going to do my best to help you. And if that's you, worship team, or no, just nobody come to the front. Just If that's you, just get out of your seat and come forward. Can I, can I just have some commitment today? And say, I'm, I'm just willing, I'm willing to pray that God will help me to reach somebody. Come on. Hallelujah. Just come all the way to the front. There's lots of room. Step forward. Amen. If you're not physically able, I understand. Hallelujah. Oh, there's plenty of room all over this building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Blessed be Jesus. Come on, I want you to raise your hand. And I feel the Spirit of God. Each one, reach one. Telling you this. Listen to pastor, we can't go wrong. You can't go wrong doing what's right. You can't go wrong reaching people. You can't go wrong having a strategy. You can't go wrong in this. I'm asking some of you couples, begin to pray, Lord, what other couple do I know that is discouraged, that's despondent, that's unsaved, unchurched, that's left the church? What can I do? You can't just give up on people so easily. You've got to stay after them. Sometimes people's hearts are hard. I'm telling you, the love of God can penetrate it. I'm telling you, hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the Lord. How many feels the Spirit today? Hallelujah. Now, if I speak in tongues, I'm speaking to God. It's a prayer language to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, don't worry about what to say, for I'll give you the words to say. He'll give you the words to say. Uh, today we relinquish our fear. I'm not asking you to be somebody you're not. I'm just asking you to be you. And listen to Pastor Josh. Share your testimony. Nobody can argue with your testimony. Don't be argumentative with people. Don't condemn people. Don't make people feel bad. All you need to do is love them and share your story and befriend them. Have a conversation with people. Ask them about their day. Open your heart and listen to people. Hallelujah. 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 How many senses the Spirit today? Mm. This, I tell you, the Spirit is present. Because when you have a heart to reach people, the Spirit says, I'll come. You see, you know what we're doing, Brother Jimmy? We're reaching out. The church service is not about how to make you feel good. We just had a solemn assembly to say we need to reach people. And it's not about if the music's loud or the music's too soft or I don't like this or I don't like this or it's too cold. It's not about preferences anymore. It's, and I'm not saying feelings are not important. I love you. But it's about the mission. Did you hear me? It's about mission. It's about the heart of God. Hallelujah. That's what it's about, church. It's about, it's about us coming together. It's about the multitude being fed. How was the multitude fed? By a little boy's lunch, and then the 12 disciples brought it to Jesus. Jesus prayed over it, and the multitude is fed. You know what happens? The little boy's lunch, the little boy, represents the younger generation. The disciples represent the older generation. The, young, the little boy had the lunch but he didn't have the influence and the platform to get to Jesus. But the disciples had the influence and the platform to get to Jesus, but they didn't have the resources. They didn't have the little boy's lunch. But ladies and gentlemen, when the little boy and the disciples got together, the multitude was fed. When the older generation hooks up with the younger generation, the multitude would be fed. The multitude would be fed. That's, that's what happens is that we, we fight, we fight in how to feed the multitude. Well, I, I think we need to win the loss this way. I don't think we need to give gifts out to children. I've heard people say, I don't think you need to give gifts out to children. I'm not wasting my money and giving to the And I've heard people say, what in the world? Have we, have we been so indoctrinated by the world? I've had people tell me that. I'm not coming to it. I'm not bringing no gifts because I don't believe it's effective. That's why you need to do it because your heart's wrong. You 
see what I'm saying? We have to think beyond the walls of this church. And I promise you, if we make a commitment to just reach one person, one, one, we will take, and not everybody's back to church. If everybody would just come back to church and you just reach one, we'd take down all the curtains and go to two services. That's how quickly things would change. That's how quickly it would change. But this is the thing. We can't wait for everybody to come back. So we just need to be proactive. Because what, what is the parable of the Good Samaritan? The Good Samaritan was proactive and saw the man that was beat up. He saw him. He was busy. He was on his way going somewhere, just like the Levite and the priest. But the Good Samaritan was proactive, and he saw, he saw the need. He stopped what he's doing. And I'm asking you on your journey of life to stop the busyness and let's find a person. Let's let bind the wounds up. Let's get the oil out and bind the wounds up. You work with people. You go to school with people. There is somebody. I know if we're serious about this thing, you can get somebody. Let's be fishers of men. But you know what we've done? We have been keepers of the aquarium. We have become keepers of the aquarium. And we all sit out there and look at the stage and look at all the fish. Boy, that fi this fish tank looks really good. That fish tank looks really good. Look at, look at all the fish tank. It looks really good. And that's what we do every week. We become keepers of the aquarium. We look around. I'm asking you to worship God when you come to church. I'm asking some of you leaders to worship God when you're here. Quit looking around. Let's be an example to people. Let's, let's, let's be an example. Let's be an example. Let's raise it up a little bit. Let's go to a new level. We're not keepers of the aquarium. There's one thing that could be said about Pastor Josh. Is I'm going to keep trying. And I'm going, you know what? Somebody asked Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday, what do you think about sin? Troy, you know what Billy Sunday said? Billy Sunday said, well, I'll tell you what I think about sin. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to kick it. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to punch it. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to gum it to death. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to beat it to death. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to run after it and beat it. You know, that's how I feel about the church. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep pushing. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep praying. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep encouraging. As long as I'm... Give up. You got to keep on. Each one reach one. Just one. Just one. I'm not asking you to do two. One. 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 Follow me. I know the mission of this church. I know what Discover Christ Point is. I know what Connect to Christ Point Growth Point is head, heart, hands, and feet. Head is classes. Heart is groups. Hands is serving the church, and feet is being missional. I know what it is. I want to get people plugged in. I'm going to be intentional about my giving. There should never, I want, I want this church to be 100% tithe and giving where we don't ever have to take another special offering again because there's so much overflow. See? That's, that, that, that's what I'm getting. And the last thing is I, I'm, I'm going to be committed to read the scriptures. Let's not be quitters because you're 20 chapters behind. Get back on and read just start reading again. Don't be quitters. Don't be quitters. Let's keep going. Amen. Amen. I am sorry that I acted. Well, I'm not sorry. Lord, forgive me. I'm not sorry. I love you, and I believe in this church. So that's what I'm saying. I believe in this church. And not only, not only do I believe in this church, but I believe in you. I believe in you. Just last Sunday, my heart was just so thrilled. I'm just sharing with you. I know there's a wonderful couple I deeply love in this church. Just took somebody out to eat and paid for their meal. And I was just like, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Just thrilled my heart. And because that's what it's about. It's just about being intentional. It's about thinking about someone else. Amen. God is good. A few weeks ago, Sandy, raise your hand, Sandy. Somebody got saved a few weeks ago. Guess what she did? 
She went right up to him. She said, hi, my name is Sandy Smith, and we have discovered Christ Point today, and I'd like to go with you. If, if you I'll take you, and I'll show you where it's at so you can get connected to the church. That's what I mean about being a discipler. That's what it means about getting off the boob and because pastor has to do it all. Time to get off, and I'm serious. I know that's strong language, but we're never going to grow up in the Lord as long as we look at Pastor Josh to do it all. Am I talking up in here? We, 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 gotta, we just got to grow up. And I'm not apologizing if that offended you. But you get what it is. That's what we call, that's life. It's what babies do. And we cannot allow Pastor Josh just to do it all, all the time. All the time. You get paid. You No, no, not no more. You can't do that no more. We've got to take the initiative. We've got to take the initiative. We've got to get behind the mission, and we've got to do it. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Our Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you that our new level of love is to love people as you have loved us. And as we made a commitment today to these four things, we're not going to be perfect at it, but we're making a commitment that you're going to push us forward like we've never been before. Give us the strength that we need. Give us the ability that we need. Give us the wisdom that we need. In Jesus' name. And everyone said...